Welcome to Strange Bedfellows Podcast, where no question is too dark, no topic too taboo. Join us to explore sexuality, self-help, and politics with our expert guests and friends. We believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation. I am a parent, I am a certified holistic sex educator, I am a longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows Podcast. My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist who will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight. Because sex and politics can make for some very strange bedfellows. Hi, John. Hey. Hi. I wanted to talk about herpes and HSV a little bit. Um, How's your sex life? (laughs) (laughs) My sex life is going all right. I have been um, exploring how to set things up a little bit more, which has been sort of nice. Um, I, I found myself in sort of a rut, especially towards the end of school. And I think a lot of people can relate to anytime you're sort of towards the end of an activity, sometimes you feel like especially tired. Sometimes you can feel more motivated. But for me, I get really tired because I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> And uh, my sex life just goes, like, out the window when I'm, like, stressed and, and, like, overworked, which, you know, most people, I assume, can relate. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've been trying to, like, figure out how to have sex more while also at the same time not wanting to have sex in the moment because I feel, like, overworked or tired. And um, Mm -hmm. it's been kind of nice to try and... Uh, react to to stuff that I'll introduce into the situation so like you know I'll watch some porn or we'll talk about something or we'll talk about like past experiences that one is like a great turn on to to lead towards other stuff Um, sometimes Mm. something we do just to see if either of us want to have sex is like we'll just go into the bed and cuddle and then if Mm. it like turns into something it's fine and if it doesn't that's fine too um, That's a which nice has been one. really interesting. Yeah, I, we've been having more sex because of it, but it feels a lot more natural. You know, it's not like, oh, like, can we have sex? We haven't had sex in so long. It's more like, hey, want to go cuddle and see if like we both feel like it? And if you do that enough times throughout a day, like two or three, if you're able to, you know, like time is privilege. But if, if you're able to, um, then it really helps. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I definitely recommend trying to introduce as much like non-sexual touch because that also can lead to sexual touch. Um, it's, mm-hmm. It all connects. It sounds like you're talking about responsive desire. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I work on that a lot too because that keeps it fresh. I think a lot of times, well, I know a lot of times because I get a lot of questions about it where people say that they're libido goes away after like the six months or the year we've talked about it and he's like mentioned that he's just as happy with the sex as when we started as he is now and in fact even happier because it's just gotten better so like i'm kind of happy about that (laughs) i would be Mm -hmm. concerned feeling like i wasn't active enough if i if i i don't know if everyone involved wasn't happy (laughs) Mm -hmm. but um in speaking with a lot of couples who um would describe themselves as happy after like three or four or five years i notice a lot of them say that the sex just keeps getting better and better 
Yeah. And I notice, yeah, I notice that in myself, like B and I have been together for three or so years. So when sex things start to happen, I feel like I'm already having a, I feel like I'm already having like a, a, usually like a calming reaction throughout my body because I've had so much secure, pleasurable sexual interactions with him. It, it's yeah. like an association now. I'm like, oh, the nice thing is happening again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think it just like reinforces it. Um, B and I did not have sex for like two weeks. Oh shit. That's a long time. Yeah, I know. Joanne and I did a cam show. I started my period that day. So. Oh fuck. I know. So after the cam show, there was like no way. I didn't have any interest in anything going inside me or near my puss. And he was very understanding of that. So then I was on this heavy period. And then I was in Vegas with my small child. Uh, yes, I brought my seven-year-old to Las Vegas and to see <laughs> lights and weirdo people walking around and to eat food. Anyway, so and then as we were flying back, uh, I noticed, I was like, fuck, I'm getting a, a herpes outbreak on my lip. I'm getting a cold sore. I'm having an HSV-1 outbreak. Motherfucker. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I texted him. I know. I said, well, I can't make out with you or suck your dick for at least three days, <laughs> but you can put a bandana over my mouth. So that's something we do now is like he will, you know, cover my, we'll cover the boo-boo area and that's yeah. just like entirely off limits, but it becomes like a fun aspect of the play. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. So, yeah. Thank you. So, but yeah, it went for a while. Um, the story I actually wanted to mention, this happened uh, in that time. Like it was it was Friday night because that was when I, my plane landed and I went back to work that night. And it was Friday night and I was headed to the club and I stopped at the weed store and I got my, my little joints and walking to work because it was pretty close. And there was a guy on the sidewalk and I am so used to people I don't know. It's always men. Being like, hey, you want to share? Can I hit that? And it's like, no, I don't know you. I don't know you. Don't ask me for drugs that we're sharing with our mouths. I'm not that like chill or whatever. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, but I, I always say no. But this time I thought, well, this is a great opportunity. Let me test this. And the guy, he looked kind of nervous, but he actually he held out a $5 bill. He's like, would you be willing to share? And no one's ever offered like a money donation to hit yeah. my weed before so my heart genuinely like opened up a little more but yeah. so I said Aww. to this guy I said yeah I know right so I said oh thank you so much for offering um a donation but I'm actually having an oral herpes outbreak right now and I pointed my lower left lip it's just like a little little bubble and he says oh and he says well thank you for being responsible and then he hands me the five anyway <laughs> really yeah Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah. I was like, that's oh. so amazing. Oh, my God. Right. And I was like, oh, thanks. And I was like, yeah, kind of sucks being a stripper with a cold sore. Have a good night. And I said, but by the way, there's a dispensary right over there. If you know, they're open for like 45 more minutes if you want to get your own. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that was it. That's um, cool. Right. By the way, um, I took lysine. And I put some tea tree oil on that little fucker and I used clean hands and I squeezed some fluid out of it and I washed yep. my hands and then I put more tea tree oil on it 
and it was it never got any bigger and it was gone within three days and I don't think it was even really visible um this is far cry from what I used to deal with where I'd have like hugely visible sore or a couple sores on my mouth for like seven to ten days yeah. when I was like a teenager that's awesome that you found a way to to minimize the effects and get it to go away quickly yeah and then also apparently outbreaks over time uh tend to be less severe so yeah. I thought we could continue off of uh we talked about bacterial STIs last week the most common ones chlamydia gonorrhea syphilis I thought we could talk about herpes 1 and 2, so HSV 1 and 2, herpes simplex virus 1 and 2, and then human papillomavirus, and there's about 100 strains of that that we know of, and about 30 of those cause warts. Um, yeah. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, you don't have any experience with any of these, like... You don't um, no. know that you have any of these, yeah. Uh, I do not know that I have any, and um, as far as I've been tested so far, I haven't tested um, positive for, for any that I know of. Mm-hmm. Have you had um, a blood test for either HSV or HPV? Probably not. I, I know that I asked for a full panel, but I don't know if they include everything under a full panel. You might have to ask for specific stuff to be like included. Because um, the full panel yeah. might just hit, like, the top, like, several of, like, certain, like, expected diseases. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I hear that some new blood tests can find type 1 and type 2 uh, herpes, HSV 1 and 2. Um, but it's not conclusive. It's also not going to tell you about when you contracted it. So a lot of times people are curious about... You know, like, where did I get this from? There's no way of knowing. No. Um, let's see. Herpes 1 and 2. So there's a little confusion about this. Type 1 is usually on the mouth. Um, it can appear in the genital tract. But type 2 is the one that is more serious and is going to be on the genital tract. Um, so if I... How it's spread is sexual contact. So kissing, oral, um, with obviously an infected sore, you're going to be the most contagious. But you can still transmit it even when no symptoms are present. And this is usually what happens, and this is why so many people make jokes about other people with herpes when they, in fact, might also carry a type of herpes. It's not just sexual contact that can transmit. This is why when I had a cold sore at work, I don't drink alcohol anymore. But if I did, I definitely wouldn't be doing like sharing drinks with any of my coworkers. No. Uh, definitely not sharing drinks with customers. God, I hate when they do that. They're like, you want a sip? I've had guys do that. <laughs> like instead yeah. of being like, can I get you a drink? I've had guys be like, are you thirsty? Oh yeah, sure. That'd be nice. Would you want a sip? No, I don't want a sip of your drink, sir. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sippy sip for the baby. Um, Typically, the virus will shed where the original infection occurred. Uh, Typically. So bodies are weird. This isn't always the case. I always, almost always get my cold sores on the bottom left side of my mouth. I don't know what that means. 
if anything. Uh, but if you acquire it and you've never had it before, your first outbreak is usually within two to 10 days. Symptoms can reoccur often, usually within three to 12 months of that exposure. The majority hmm. of people do not have symptoms. If you have them in your genital area, you could experience a cluster of painful blisters, urination that hurts, discharge, swollen glands, fever, and body aches. So a lot of times when somebody acquires herpes, it feels like the flu with some painful sores. Um, and luckily if this is your first, a lot of times people are the most upset because when they realize what's happening, they're like, oh my God, I can't live the rest of my life like experiencing this. But again, your first outbreak is usually the worst. Yeah. It's kind of like when you're a kid, you know how like chicken pox, you want to have it when you're kids, so you can build up good <clears throat> immunity yeah. and antibodies to it. And chicken pox is actually like a strain. It's in the herpes family. So yeah. is shingles. Yeah. It so can lead to, to some serious shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you get it as an adult, I think, right? And also, I read that uh, for herpes, um, there's something about how if your immune system is in is in trouble, um, herpes can flare up, like, if you're sick or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yes. maybe it was, like, the airplane, like, when you went traveling and you were exposed to lots of, lots of people's germs and stuff, and your immune system had to work extra hard to fight them, and then, like, temporarily while it was fighting them, the the herpes was able to, like, um, make a reappearance because, like, all the white blood cells were busy or whatever. You know what? It could have been any of my travel in general because it could be increased or decreased sunlight, oh. uh, stress. Yeah. yeah. Um, just anything that really changes, you know, what your body's used to. Um, yeah. I ate a bunch of crazy junk food. I My sleeping hours were different. So anything, yeah, any kind of stress-related trigger can bring a flare up. So that's why they, that's why my therapist says that I should practice meditation. That's one of the reasons why, <laughs> you know, a lot of people could practice meditation because even something as simple and as complicated as managing stress can bring you fewer physical symptoms with yeah. whatever you have. Yeah. My dad's been trying to get me to meditate. He sent me this like app called I meditate, I think, or something like that. And it like, it's been giving mm -hmm. me notifications every single day but I never use it and I should I, <laughs> I think about it every time the notification pops up at 8 a.m. I'm like oh cool I should meditate and then I don't it's been like three months of this <laughs> I'm just like I cannot convince myself to sit the fuck down and do nothing for 10 minutes every day I do that all the time already like <laughs> I I actually drove to pick up my kid which is like 10 miles away from where I live without my phone the other day like as yeah. soon as I left the driveway I was like oh I don't have my cell phone and I'm like ah oh, shit I and I faced the the very real like challenge of being apart from my cell phone for 90 minutes you know but it was definitely like when I parked to to pick her up I was like well I have 13 minutes what should I do and I thought I should meditate and then I thought well I don't have a timer so that I know when to stop <laughs> Because I forgot my phone. But yeah. Yeah. And me like, honestly, the phone FOMO is real because like, I don't know, I ever since like, and it could just because I got like attacked and remember when I got attacked in my building by like a pit bull and, and like, yeah, because of the owner, his owner's fault. It wasn't on a leash, but, um, and then like, I was terrified of going anywhere ever again without my cell phone, because that was the one time I walked buddy without my cell phone. Cause I thought it'd be fine to do it inside the building, like in the dog area. Uh, and, um, yep. and then I didn't have my phone when the worst possible thing that could happen, like 
to him happen <laughs> and like yeah he got attacked um, yeah he so now i'm terrified i'm dog. like if i don't bring my cell phone what if i get in a car accident and then i can't call for help like <laughs> like that's the that's type of shit real... that goes through my head yeah. that's a good that's a good legitimate fear that's not like what yeah. if i get at that dm and like yeah. i don't respond but it makes me enough. realize now you know like cell phones save lives they really do yeah. they also kill people because you know people get <laughs> addicted to their phones and look at their phones and have car accidents but you know they also save <laughs> lives <laughs> it's complicated yeah um on herpes uh 50 to 80 percent i'm looking at the john hopkins website hopkinsmedicine.org says no. 50 to 80 percent of american adults have oral herpes hsv1 uh genital herpes caused by hsv1 or hsv2 which is again kind of confusing because if i have an open sore on my mouth and i no. give if i give oral sex to someone i could very well give them oral herpes on their genitals no. weird anyway it doesn't really matter what strain you have if you have a sore you want to avoid touching people with it or like sharing yeah. things because viruses are a lot harder to kill than bacteria yeah some people never have recurrence so you might have one once and then never again no. uh, in order to test for it you need to do a sample from the actual blisters so if you're having an outbreak it sucks because it's hard for people to get into a clinic usually as quick as possible you know, and that's a big reason why they'll ask you, like, when you call to schedule something, are you having symptoms so they can see you faster? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, new blood tests can find type 1 and 2, and then antiviral medications can reduce symptoms and frequency of outbreaks. I'm looking at the same text, our bodies, ourselves, uh, and some stuff on the Internet. Uh, <laughs> in regards to complications... I'm just going to read this like um, like a medication commercial. Symptoms vary with individual, can cause emotional as well as physical stress, including inability to pass urine, but many people cope well. Support groups available. Do, 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 do. <laughs> commercial music with like a little puppy and like a, everything to like keep you distracted from the fact that like, you know, there's a million side effects that can kill you. <laughs> you know those commercials silent. where they have like you know like oh it's like yeah a super modern family and it's hip and they're trying to like pretend to be progressive while at the same time pushing like hyper expensive like dangerous medications on the american market but yeah <laughs> yeah totally totally that that's who those commercials are for this is why sometimes cesarean deliveries are done on newborns if the parent is having a genital outbreak so if it infects a baby at birth uh, serious illness may result. It's more likely to be passed to infant if the mother is infected close to time of delivery. But say if she's had herpes for a long, long time and she's not had any outbreaks, then the only reason they would do a cesarean is if she's suddenly having an outbreak while she's in labor, as far as I'm aware. HPV. Cool. Human papillomavirus. There are oh, about papilloma? 100 types. That sounds like uh, papillon. In French, that's a uh, butterfly. Oh, how yeah. funny. It's, it almost sounds like the word butterfly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how funny. Yeah. Human butterfly virus. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. That sounds like such a cool virus to have. <laughs> oh, my God. Everybody's getting it. At least yeah. a couple of strains. So really when they right test now. for HPV, uh, primarily strain 16 and 18 are the ones that 
if they're going to turn cancerous, those are the ones that are likely to do it. So like when I had See, this is fucked up. This is why we should vaccinate because like my parents didn't want to vaccinate my sister. They were like, oh, that's like the one vaccine we don't know about. Like all of them are fine except maybe HPV. Like we heard bad things. Oh, Gardasil? No, get her fucking vaccinated. Like, (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I, I support anybody having a little bit of reticence when there's a product on the market that hasn't been long term evaluated because we just yeah. don't know about side effects. But Gardasil has been on the market for years. So Gardasil is now recommended for kids with vaginas. I think they start doing them as early as like 12 if the parents into it. Um, what is I've that? Gardasil? never had this one. Gardasil is what it's called. Yeah. And and that's to and preventative or treatment? Preventative. It's okay. three rounds, I, I believe. Um, and then the cost will depend on where you live and your insurance and all kinds of things. I will probably... Ah, you know what? Yeah, I think I'll get that for my kid. I need to talk to her doctor. Um, so you can get this. You can get HPV through sexual contact with an infected person. Contact... Um, you know what? I'll just... Mm, God, I hate that they broke it up this way. So the wart types, um, because some HPV gives you warts, the ones that give you warts do not tend to be cancerous. The ones that are cancerous tend to not give you warts. So if you have warts, rest rest assured, that's probably a good thing. What sort um, of the fucking warts- like roulette was played when they decided the symptoms for this shit? Like, you know, I don't know, like when the universe was made or whatever, but <laughs> they're like, um, God is a so this one will give you cancer, but this one won't give you cancer, but it will give you warts. Like, <laughs> like what the fuck? <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, so the non-wart-like type um, symptoms can appear several months to years for cervical lesions it's a very slow growing virus and this is why um, after you've been sexually active they say that kids people teens should get a pap smear if they have a vagina um, and then get one maybe depending on your risk every year to three years so when I tested positive for HPV uh, they didn't know if it was a cancerous type and there wasn't very much of it so they said we'll come back and look at it in a year and it's slow growing enough that that'll be okay and it was um so the virus isn't visible but there's small painless lesions on the cervix you can do yeah annual pap smears in 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 this text it says a colposcopy is a painless exam with a magnifying lens to confirm (laughs) abnormal pap Mine was not painless. Mine hurt like a bitch. But again, I'm sensitive. Yeah, you said yours hurt a lot and then you were you were sort of sore for several days, right? Yeah. Mine, admittedly, both of the providers, the doctor and the nurse, they, they both said that I'm sensitive more so, like based on the way I reacted, um, okay. that I'm more sensitive than the average. But yeah. I wouldn't say it was painless. It was very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, warts. If you have the warty kind, those could show up between three weeks to several months after you acquire the HPV wart type. Um, sometimes itch, itching or irritation or bleeding. They can be mistaken for hemorrhoids if they are around the anus. They can grow during pregnancy and be larger than uh, typical. Uh, they can be removed with topical solutions, freezing, surgery, and laser. 
And the only reason you'd want to have them removed is if you aren't okay with the way it looks or if it's actually blocking the vaginal wall or is creating some kind of discomfort during sex. Um, if there is an outbreak, although it's rare, it says here in Our Bodies Ourselves that it may infect the baby's throat at birth. Reasons to keep on top of these things. Oh yeah, you can always find information about herpes and HPV on the cdc.gov. And I don't love their clinical government type website, but if someone is ever trying to shame you for having herpes or just make a joke or comment about herpes, it can be very satisfying to send this government website backed by all this research that says, guess what? Almost everyone has a type of herpes, probably even you. <laughs> Shut them down. No shaming in the future when we all have herpes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, all right, let's take a break. Rax is the first native app designed by and for sex workers. With unique features like a social feed, club reviews, income tracking, and event calendars, use it to grow your business at the touch of a button. For more information on Racks and more events, in-depth courses, and free content for adult entertainers, visit www.racks2riches.com. R-A-C-K-S to riches.com. And just for Strange Bedfellows listeners, use discount code SBP at checkout for 10% off any educational products. Are you looking for a sex worker-friendly therapist who specializes in gender and sexuality in the Portland, Oregon, or Vancouver, Washington area? Sue Uvery is licensed in both states. Visit www.genderandsextherapy.com to learn more about Sue's offerings and her experience working with adults, youth, queer, and trans folks. Sue also accepts sliding scale rates for cash-only clients. Visit genderandsextherapy.com to meet Sue and to create a path to self-care and wellness. Are you looking for personalized, non-judgmental medical care in Portland metro area? Solace Health, the office of Dr. Eric Shalan, provides full-spectrum primary care services including chronic disease and psychiatric medical management, acute injury and illness treatment, and men and women's sexual health in a unique model operating outside of the usual insurance system. Experience relaxed one-hour appointments with same-day availability, as well as direct physician access via text, email, or phone for a flat monthly fee of $67 to $100 regardless of insurance coverage. Visit solacehealthpdx.com, that's S-O-L-A-C-E, healthpdx.com, for more information or call to schedule a free, no-obligation consultation to see if Solace Health is the right fit for your needs. 503-231-3371, solacehealthpdx.com. We're here today talking about different strains of HPV and herpes. Rate us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. If that's available, because that's how we get more views. Especially after we're no longer recording this show. Oh, gonna miss it. Everybody check out my website, stripperwriter.com, for anything I'm doing. If you want to support me and stay in touch. I can't imagine I'm gonna want to disappear entirely from hosting these fun audio conversations. So, we'll see. All right. And now our Bad Bitch in History segment. Bad Bitch in History. 
the last one ever. So have you heard of the pirate bad bitch in history, Ching Shi? I have not. She was born as Shi Yang in 1775. She was working on a floating brothel in the 19th century when she met and married her husband, who was a notorious pirate known to China at that time. It's goals. stated uh, <laughs> at goals. It's stated in a few historical writings that he was very attracted to her great business acumen and approaches from her time working sex. Um, I like the the gentle nod to hustling <laughs> there. Yeah, yeah, you're you're great at business because you're a prostitute. Sure, why not? Yeah. That's. I mean, if anyone could write the art of negotiation, it's not Trump. It's probably sex workers. (laughs) Hopefully. I know, right? Cheng, her pirate husband, was a commander of the Red Flag Fleet of Pirate Ships. Apparently, they terrorized much of China and the seas at that time. He had managed to unite a ton of rival Chinese pirate organizations. No small feat, I'm sure. And... He married a 26-year-old Ching Shi in 1801. They were married for six years, and apparently she, quote, fully participated in her husband's pirate activities, said one historian. I don't like the term ride or die, but I'm like, oh, that sounds like a ride or die bitch. So when he died at the age of 42... She found herself in a dangerous predicament amongst tens of thousands of pirate sailors in the 19th century. I mean, any any time really, but even though Chinese people didn't have a superstition about women at sea being unlucky, can you imagine being amongst those guys? Yeah. So here's where it gets especially juicy as if the floating brothel and the pirate marriage wasn't <laughs> it enough. It wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So apparently it wasn't uncommon at the time for adults to adopt other adults as their children, um, Hmm. as heirs or connections to their fortune and their plans. So originally her husband's adopted adult son and lover was set to inherit his position. But with some creative jostling and probable hustling, she wooed her deceased husband's lover and married him. So she and her husband had the same boyfriend. Then she married him. During this time, she gained majority control over the fleet of Chang. They captured a British man named Richard Glasspool for about three months uh, in, I think it was 1808 or nine. Uh, he estimated that she had about 80,000 pirates under her command and about a thousand large ships and about 800 smaller rowboats and ships called junks. So she had this code of laws that she used to unify everyone, keeping them in probably pretty strict fear. It was unusual at the time regarding female captives because if a pirate under her command raped a female captive, he would be put to death. Sick. That's kind of (laughs) cool. However, if the sex between the two of them, the captive and the pirate, was consensual, they would both be put to death. I guess that's how you keep people from uh, fraternizing (laughs) in in some ways. God, it was a different time. Uh, 
I'm not huge on Disney films, but they even gave a nod to her in one of the pirates movies as Mistress Ching. She was one of the nine pirate lords. The the plot is sort of that the man dies and then she takes over for him. Like mm. it's kind of it kind of nice. lines up to that love story, except I guess in the movie they aren't in love or know each other. He just thinks she's a goddess of the sea. Nice. But nice. But that's cool where the parallels are, yeah. Interesting. So during her time, the Red Flag Fleet that she commanded, remember that unification of all of the pirates, they battled against the Portuguese Navy, the East India Trading Company, which was owned by the British, and the Qing Dynasty government for three years on the high seas, but she was undefeated. And the Chinese government gave up and offered her amnesty in 1810. She took it. And she died at the age of 69, hey, in 1844. <laughs> Fucking ruthless, especially compared to what we do to get by in these times. But uh, what a bad bitch in history. Yeah, damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, John, let's do some listener questions. I'm strongly considering escorting slash full services in the sex slash pro dom work. In 2014, the conservative government in Canada made it illegal to buy sex, advertise sex services, or solicit in public areas, and live on material benefits from sex work. But somehow, it's still legal to sell sex services. Anyways, my big hang up is finding out how to figure what the industry standard is for these types of sex work. Anyways, my big hang-up here is finding out what the industry standard is for these types of sex work. I have no idea how to figure out my rate or what to charge people. I don't want to do anything that harms the existing industry, and it is difficult to find people who offer these services to talk to. I would, of course, pay them a consulting fee for their time. Where do I start? Also, will this limit my ability to travel? Hmm. My first take about the travel part i'm not sure if that like how that would limit her ability to travel necessarily so i just learned from a friend that if you are an american and you are heading to canada to do stripping they actually don't allow americans to engage in that work really there yeah, so if Why you want that? to strip in um, something about the documentation process, they want you to be a Canadian citizen. And I don't know if it has anything to do with because it's legal to sell sex services if they want you to like register a certain way. Yeah, I wonder if that's like a, I, a leftover from sort of some sort of anti-trafficking law, you know, like non-citizens can't sell sex, like to prevent people from, or maybe to add more sentencing onto to the importation yeah, of like the, foreign sex like well this right whatever. and this this was for a person who was wanting to strip there so the tip was you'll need to buy stripper heels and outfits after you get into Canada but don't try to cross the border with them because you'll be stopped and questioned oh wow and it's not a good time yeah mm-hmm. and that's just to strip but if they see you know a big pair of heels clear heels that's <laughs> That's an obvious flag for adult entertainment, usually. Or just, like, annoying pole classes nowadays, but... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I take that back. That's the perfect excuse. Just be like, yeah, I'm going to, like, my local, like, 
like white mom pole dance studio where we all like hashtag like not a <laughs> not <stripper>. with <laughs> yeah not with your rhinestone outfits but yeah um so in terms of pricing I remember finding out about five or so years ago that a very common average for 90 minutes of full service sex in Portland is about $250. There are absolutely people who charge less. There are absolutely people who charge more. This was based off of the Red Pages escorting ads. And and these numbers aren't listed. The red pages are able to advertise because they're advertised as private shows where it's a lady that shows up, dances naked for you, and then leaves. Um, is that what people are hoping to buy and what's actually happening? Eh, not necessarily. No. Um, for a long time, there was a peep show venue in Portland where they got in trouble and I don't know what the case was, but I heard it from a gal who worked at this old venue some 10 years ago that you can pay someone to masturbate or touch themselves, but when you pay them to play or touch with another person, it crosses near to dangerously close to prostitution. Yeah. Which is just fucking crazy. Which is weird because like there are all those friction massages, but then at the same time it's like, yeah, the way yeah. people get around Just laws are it's wild. Cr- yeah. Um or the way that laws were meant to be designed to get around rather. But. Right. Yeah. I think I think also when you ask people what they charge, a lot of people will lie because of their pride because everybody wants to think that they're you know, everyone wants to to give the illusion that they're able to somehow get paid more or to make it work. Um yeah. So you know, I would, I would kind of, I would figure out what number you feel comfortable asking for that is worth your time. And then I want you to take that number and think about where it sits in the economy of where you live and how many people might be able to pay that. And you don't really know until you get out there, you know, but if, if I live in a low income area, asking $800 for 90 minutes isn't terribly likely. No. So, um, I would say that there would be forums and stuff that you could look up. There still probably is. I don't know if there's any sex worker forums on Reddit. I avoid Reddit. I'm just at the very least. I I would look up Reddit because I'm sure there are people talking about the going rate for, for sex work, at least somewhere in Canada. And maybe you can gauge it off that. Yeah. And also just use lots of keywords. Keywords are the key to the internet. If you type in like sex worker forums, and then type in like your region of Canada. And even if there aren't any specific ones, you might still find some websites that are like interesting to you or articles that talk about stuff. I would also read the local news if you're getting into getting into escorting your full services. So you can make sure that you know sort of what the situation is in your area. Um, mm-hmm. Like there is police specific behavior to cities. So your city could not prosecute or it could prosecute very heavily. So like, mm-hmm. <laughs> or I mean not prosecute, but it could, it could chase people and it, they might dedicate yeah, more police sure. resources. So it's, you're always mm-hmm. going to want to do research also about that and maybe type in like sex work into the news and, and see like what areas are dangerous and which ones might be safer or like sort of any news around it. The more information, the safer you are, is my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Traveling is tricky because if you get, especially in times like these, if you get pulled aside, 
you know, it really depends on what government agency and how that agent is as a person and how they're doing that day. If they're going to maybe try to charge you with some kind of prostitution versus like, oh, you're a dancer. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of gray areas. Um, and remember the Marriott hotel chain and some of their affiliates said that they were going to fight trafficking by making it harder for women carrying lots of clothing and cash and traveling alone to stay there. Yeah. Remember they were in- I thought that was such <laughs> a like odd way to quote unquote, like, I don't know, keep track of trafficking. They're like single mm-hmm. women who seem to have autonomy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let's get her. All right. <clears throat> um, okay. So next question. I hope we gave some, some help on that last one. Anybody, yeah. if you have any thoughts, please write to us. Pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com. Next question. I was in a mentally and emotionally abusive relationship that progressed worse and worse over the span of a decade. He was a narcissistic asshole with plenty of gaslighting tendencies. After being married for about two years, I finally put all the pieces together about how unhappy and unhealthy it was, and I left him. It was a tough decision, and I was pushed almost into a Stockholm Syndrome-style relationship with my abuser, but I'm proud of myself and thankful every day that I stuck it out and did it and escaped, which brings us to now. I am in an amazing, supportive, healthy relationship and have been for about two years with my new partner. We found out recently that I'm pregnant and feel like all the things I've wanted in life are finally coming together. I feel like I cannot let go of some of the things my ex did to me and it's not about my current partner. I'll just think of certain memories or the way he was and I'll get so worked up and mad about the person he is. I get mad at myself for being treated that way for so long and mad that I let myself fall in love with someone so awful. I know that being angry does me no good, but I feel like I still think about these things so much, and I'm thankful to not be with him. I don't miss anything about that relationship, but I feel like this is something that haunts me daily that I can't move past. The question is, do you two have any advice on letting go of a toxic ex or the memories of one? Um... I don't have any experience with exes in general, really. I've only ever dated one guy before current boyfriend, and that was for a really short amount of time, so I don't really care to consider it, like, an ex. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I do have experience with, like, toxic people, and I tend to just cut them out of my life. Um, But Mm -hmm. that's not always the an option for everyone and also you already have cut them out of your life so i don't know honestly it sounds like if you're having like intense flashbacks where you get really angry about the way that you were treated and you genuinely believe that you were in a gaslighting like emotionally abusive relationship therapy is probably a great way to try and break up some of these problems in your head and and analyze them because if you're still having these thoughts and you say it has nothing to do with your current relationship and you like don't see any signs of that in your current boyfriend but you're still having these problems and you want to find a way to deal with them or solve them um therapy is honestly a great place to go i've found a lot of help there for solving toxic relationships um i've had toxic relationships that weren't romantic um and those i've i've very much found help in venting about sometimes you just have to vent to people who can listen and i think your situation might be that you're in a situation where you want to vent but you don't have anyone who can listen because you don't necessarily want to vent about your ex to your current boyfriend um because Mm -hmm. whether or not you know your ex was emotionally abusive sometimes your current boyfriend like or may not want to hear about like you know the, the the parts that have already been digested by you but like 
I don't know that that you're still thinking about it afterwards. So like you know they mm-hmm. they'll care like hearing it like once or twice, but to to really get into some of those problems, you probably have to to dive into a therapy sesh. Mm-hmm. I would say give yourself permission to need more time to be really free of this because you've been out of it for two years, but you were in it for ten. So it it could take you, you know, I'm I'm far enough away from some things that upset me that they don't bother me anymore. But it's been over 10 years is what I'm saying. Uh, I think it's a nice idea to create some kind of ritual where you feel like you can push out some of this energy that you experience emotionally and psychically and mentally um, to be free of it, to lighten yourself of it. Because now that you're growing a life in your body, you want to think of your body as an optimum nesting place. So you don't really want this like churning heart you know heart racing like anxiety or anger coming up too often um so maybe remind yourself that like moving on is a great way to kind of get your revenge um yeah and hey for the moments where you get mad at yourself for thinking oh how could I have like stayed with him so long and like wasted so much time you know what else you can think to sort of counter that in the moment is you could still be with him but you made a very conscious Mm. choice to not be anymore and Mm -hmm. maybe that's okay and maybe it's okay that you spent that time because it turned out to be shitty and awful and you hated it and you learned exactly the type of person that you're going to stay away from for the rest of your life um Mm -hmm. and hopefully that leads you to happiness and and that's okay to get mad about but maybe follow Mm -hmm. it up with the happiness after oh and take all of the reminders of that person if you haven't done this already get them away from your site because i have a friend the other day and they were and it's been a couple years since they were out of that relationship and it was very toxic and there was like court battles and all kinds of stuff but they're like i should probably get the photos of so-and-so out of my phone and i said yes you sicko what the hell is wrong with you (laughs) (laughs) because they still you know miss the good times but it's just reopening that wound and that's not what i'm saying is happening here but like you don't need more reminders of this unhappiness so everything you can if it you know even if it's like a book they gave you or something like you can put all that stuff you don't have to throw it into a a burning pile but you can put it in a box and stick it away somewhere and maybe throw it away down the road or those things don't bother you anymore um i change people's names in my phone if for some reason you still have their contact info um this is a good one for a lot Yeah, this is great when you're just out of the relationship or you're trying to move away from it. Put their contact name in your phone as something they do that hurts you. So if you're like liar, manipulator, devil woman, backstabber, you know. Oh my god, devil woman, that's amazing. I would if I like I don't (laughs) care. I would love to be called like devil like woman in someone's phone. Like that would just (laughs) be the best thing ever. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. So it's a lot of reframing. And yeah, like John said, I mean, she could still be there, you know, and some people spend their entire lives. That's their entire relationship and marriage and they die and they're just in hell with their abuser their whole lives. Um, So give yourself some permission to need more time and then give yourself a big pat on the back for all the work you already did. And then also think about what you're going to do for that baby 
that you can lessen the likelihood of them falling into the same habits. You know, maybe identify any cycles of abuse or anything that made you more susceptible or vulnerable to that type of relationship, if that's applicable. Um, and the last thing I'll say is if you really feel like a burning desire to address these things, these um, injustices about like domestic violence in the world, you could do some kind of volunteering. It's, you know, what we learned uh, in a previous episode when people are experiencing anxiety about climate change, it can be really helpful and therapeutic for them to go plant a tree or to practice some new recycling so that they feel they're doing something proactive. So, yeah, yeah, those my suggestions. Hey friends, are you sick of razor burn? Have your nethers cleaned up by the pros at Netherlands Wax in Vancouver, Washington, where experienced owner estheticians have performed literally thousands of Brazilian waxes. Netherlands Wax is gender neutral, sex positive, trans and queer welcoming, kink positive, and body positive. We are just over the 205 bridge in Vancouver, Washington. Worth the drive. Find us on Facebook, Yelp, or netherlandswax.com. Are you a man looking for insight into the male brain? Looking for a safe space to hear discussions about the problems men face every day? Are you struggling in daily life, but finding it hard to pinpoint the cause? Maybe your relationship is suffering. Maybe your job is sucking the life out of you. Or maybe you love sex, but aren't having any. Maybe you're just finding it hard to feel genuine connections. Well, head on over to the Brome podcast, where hosts Ben and Joe discuss many of the issues we face in daily life, but have little guidance in. You'll learn from the bros and from guests like Elle on how to talk to women or any fellow human being, how to be more understanding and compassionate towards others, how to listen to your partners in the sack, and much more. Brome podcast, B-R-O-A-U-M. Again, that's B-R-O-A-U-M. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows. It's me and Elle talking about L.A. County and uh, Planned Parenthood. They did something pretty yeah. cool over there. Yeah, some good news out of California in the mid-December. We heard that Los Angeles County is partnering with Planned Parenthood to open 50 high school sexual health and well-being centers. Los Angeles is an enormous county in California. Enormous. This could make a huge impact. So... There is an initiative funded by L.A. County Departments of Public Health and Mental Health uh, and Planned Parenthood Los Angeles has funded this. They're trying to open these within the next year. It will cost at least $12 million in the first year, and it's focusing on the teenagers uh, in that area when a lot of districts are struggling to meet the basic needs of their students. Uh, California schools, especially in those counties, deal with a lot of overcrowding. So a lot of kids don't get individualized attention anyway. No. Um, so, cool. So the centers are going to include birth control pills, condoms, tests, treatment for STIs, emergency contraception such as Plan B, pregnancy testing, and referrals... So referrals might mean to abortion, which would be cool. It doesn't say to abortion. It says referrals. Uh, but all of these things are more than what you typically get from a school nurse. So Planned Parenthood yeah. is running five of these 34 sites that are currently open. And because there's a California law that allows minors 12 or older to get confidential treatment and birth control, they can do this without, getting, without needing parental consent. Um, I want to say growing up in San Diego County, uh, 
near Los Angeles County, there is a huge Latin population, Mexican, South American population, and a lot of their parents who came here, these kids don't necessarily have the religious and conservative, you know, like, I would say codes that they're impacted by. So whereas their parents might be less likely to give them permission to get birth control, you know, these kids want to do it themselves. So what you're seeing is, yeah, kids trying to break free from their parents' conservative bullshit. Uh, The doctor they interviewed for this says that L.A. County has one of the highest rates of chlamydia amongst this age group. These centers are concentrated in communities with high poverty rates and low access to services. The goal after five years would be to reduce absenteeism in school and to see a decrease in positive STI tests at the clinics. So that's cool. God, when I was in middle school, all my friends would always ask me to go get the pads from the nurse's office, the menstrual pads. Yeah. They didn't carry tampons. Uh, it was a junior high. But yeah, all my friends were too embarrassed. So they'd always ask me to do it. So I went there probably like six times a month asking for pads. This lady, she always gave them to me, but she probably she probably knew what was going on or she thought I was chronically bleeding. I don't know. <laughs> um. Speaking of pussies, did you know, this is a fun website. I don't know how to say it. Uh, Anunnaki Ray, A-N-U-N-N-A-K-I-R-A-Y.com. This writing is eight names for the same thing. Penis, phallus, clitoris, phalloclitoris, micropenis, microphallus, clitoromegaly and pseudopenis these are all the different <laughs> names <laughs> that's cool that uh you can give to the little thing that dangles between your legs or doesn't dangle but sticks out uh so talking intersex in terms of what does your genitals look like and how do they name them and if you do a web search for ambiguous genitals you'll find a few examples um because the clitoris and the penis have a corpus cavernosum which is the same thing or corpus cavernosa and they also have the glands which is the head the head has the same number of nerve endings um, unless somebody is circumcised or had some kind of uh, surgery so the the head of the clitoris is usually what's sticking out and you know what the head of your penis is but yep. both of these have a root that connects underneath the skin and some little legs. Uh, and we've talked about engorgement before. So isn't that kind of fun? A bunch of different names. That is, yeah. That's funny yeah. when you think about it that way. It's always good to... Right? Yeah. yeah. What are we going to talk about in the after show? Ooh, you found some articles about how to have better sex. I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. All right, everybody check us out on Patreon. Otherwise, you are on Instagram, metric.cafe. Find me on Stripper Writer. All right, everybody, we love you. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Strange Bedfellows Podcast. To find behind-the-scenes photos, bonus clips, and journals from your guests and hosts, type www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash strange bedfellows and join for only one dollar. 
Find us online at strangebedfellowspdx.com and Instagram at strangebedfellowspdx. You can find me, L. Stanger, on stripperwriter.com and Instagram as L. Stanger. Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.